How marvelous, how wonderful, and 
shall see will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall captured by your holy calling set me apart i know you're drawing me to yourself lead me lord i pray the potter's hand. 
know for sure All of my days are held in your hand Crafted into your perfect plan You gently call me into your presence Guiding me by your Holy Spirit, teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by your holy calling, set me apart, I know you're drawing me to yourself.
good? Okay. By the way, Gene, I can, um, I don't know how I went to bed last night. I was in this foul mood. Um, Peg knows all about it. Um, your wives generally do, guys. Um, but um, first thing I had to do this morning is just, just go break. Um, I'm not ready to speak. I think I'm ready now. Um, because God, God does answer prayer, and he does care for us in times of need, and he just knows that, uh, you know, we're sheep. Sheep do stupid things. <laughs> sheep can get in foul moods, and uh, he has a way of being us and carrying us, uh, speaking what we need to hear. That's why he's the good shepherd. God. That's giving me a thumbs up on my sound here, too. So, so trying to correct all that. So um, I was asked to speak about Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Okay? So there's, uh, it's, it's in John chapter 10, but before we go to John chapter 10, I'm going to give you a little background and uh, maybe keep this part to 5 to 10 minutes. Uh, and then the rest of it, hopefully, I'll, I'll keep to... We'll see. We'll see. I got a lot of pieces of paper, but notes were on one side, and then my goal was to look at them honestly as little as possible. But uh, in John chapter 9, we have uh, pre what precedes and why Jesus winds up telling the parable of the Good Shepherd in John chapter 10. So I want to give you the background uh, to this, because... It is very important. Uh, before I do so, I'm just going to have a word of prayer if you want to bow your heads with me right where you are. Father, we just we invite you to speak to us, Lord, uh, by your word. Lord, you said that your word goes out. It accomplishes that which you intend. It doesn't come back to you void. And I pray as, as uh, the sheep this morning that we would hear your voice clearly. And Lord, that we would just allow you to lead the way in terms of applying that word to our hearts and to our life. Um, Lord, I'm just a servant to, to share uh, whatever you've given me this morning. And I pray that you would have your way by your Holy Spirit and uh, speak to us um, in whatever way that you choose. We're all different. We all came from different places today, Lord, but... Uh, it's the place in our heart, Lord, that we just open to you now and ask you to speak to us. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're, we're uh, John chapter 9. We have the blind man who is blind from birth. Now, Jesus heals what's recorded in scriptures. Six different blind people. Okay? One was born that way. Okay. This, is, this is important because there's a, a little argument going on at the beginning of this chapter. So it says, and he went along and he saw a man blind from birth. And uh, verse 
uh, verse 2, he gets the questions. Now, but this question doesn't come from the Pharisees. I want you to notice that this question comes from his disciples. They, they say, you know, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, we like to figure out, as human beings, who is responsible for the problem, for the, what happened that's, that's bad and horrible in our life. So here's a poor guy, born blind, and the thinking, now we said we'd never do this, right? Not this one. We wouldn't accuse a man that's born blind of sin. Okay. Or would we? And, and, and this, this, is, this is part of the question that, that's going on here. Okay? And the disciples got this thinking, not only from themselves, because I think it's part of our community, to figure out, let's, let's find out what went wrong. Now, first of all, it presupposes something. Now, what we presuppose going into a problem tells us how we're going to start thinking about the problem and solving the problem. Okay, presuppositions are very important. To ask the right question when you face something is extremely important to us, to any problem solver, whether you be in government, whether you be in uh, biology in a lab, whether you be on, on the job, whether you're uh, a driver, which I became a driver for capabilities this week, so I, I now have a part-time job. I'm kind of semi out of retirement. Okay. Um, and uh, it's a new venture for me. Okay. And uh, I'll digress on this for a minute because it does, I've, I've kind of pieced this together and thought back of well, what happened. Okay, you planned your retirement, you thought you'd be, you know, enjoying, quote, you know, the easier life. And honestly, yeah, it's probably been easier for the last 14 months. Um, but uh, the, the, the interesting thing that with everything going on that has actually kept me fairly busy and at times really busy um, is that now I'm, at, now I'm at a point where everything that I thought was pretty stable because if you understand retirement accounts, you kind of expect them to do somewhere between 5 and 8 percent, hopefully a lot more than that. I figured mine would do even average out about 4%. Yeah, I could probably handle this thing called retirement, um, barring something catastrophic. So you go into that, and, you, and that's my mindset, okay? Well, as you know, the economy, 9% uh, inflation, and then you get into retirement accounts. If you uh, have followed that at all, and some of you perhaps have looked at your own and said, gee, I got 15% loss, 20% loss, or even greater numbers. So here I am thinking, okay, maybe it's a good thing to go back to work. And I got thinking, you know, I can blame this and I can blame that, okay? Uh, or I can get on with my life and trust God, right? Okay? But my human reaction was to say, this and that about, you know, what happened here and, and what happened to my, you know, the economy. And, but, you know, it's not going to help my attitude. 
Nope, not one single bit. So you've got to take it and move on. And honestly, if you go back and, and you look at the stories in the Bible of how God moved in different people's lives, that they got the short end of the stick, a lot of them. But you had to move on and say, God's bigger. Okay? God's my source. So how the Christian thinks about things is you can stay with the world and have worldly thinking or you can adopt God's thinking on it. Okay? I'm not saying we sit back and, you know, try not to do anything about it, but, you know, ultimately our source is God. We need to trust him. So anyway, kind of relates to this a little bit. So excuse my digression, or maybe you appreciate that. Maybe you need some help with that and putting on a better attitude. So I'm driving for capabilities. I'm going to have my own little route, driving people that are challenged, and uh, God's got a plan for that. Okay? God's got a plan for you and whatever he is, whatever twists and turns that life takes. Uh, so let, let, let's, get, let's get back to our man born blind. And the prevailing thought of the day is that somebody's in here. This is bad. Okay? So Jesus comes along, and he gives the disciples who's asked this question, somebody sinned, either this man or his parents. That's as far as it goes. Jesus says, and he offers them something else totally different. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. So you get it all wrong. Okay? You get the wrong question. But what hap- this has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. So when thing, bad things happen, we need to think that the work of God's going to be displayed in your life and my life. Okay? I, I, I heard a, something a long time ago that uh, our disappointment is often God's appointment. Okay? The things that can be stumbling blocks are really made to be stepping stones. Okay? So those are things that I heard that were encouragement for me, is, is don't stay down too long. It's human to get down. Don't kick yourself over it, but look up. Look up. That's where our hope is every day. Okay? We are, we are his sheep, and we're going to see that in a minute. So as long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. So that's what's important, is God's work in our lives and how we approach things, how we see God moving and working and, and enabling us to overcome the obstacles of life. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So what does Jesus do? Okay. i got to go through this quick. And uh, he spits on the ground, he makes the clay, puts it on the guy's eyes. What spit? You ever see the movie... Okay, Clint, Clint Eastwood was great at this. He had that movie where there'd be a bug on the ground and from his horse he'd just take aim. Okay, sorry ladies. Okay, and he'd kneel that bug. Okay, it was on the ground. Remember that? You recall that one? What, what was the name of that one? He'd done so many, I've kind of lost track which, which 
where did that come from? I think it was Josie Wales. I think that was it. I think it was the outlaw Josie Wales. Um, so I didn't do Lord of the Rings yet. Um, just Josie Wales. So, so that's, that's probably enough that's moving down on my watch list. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, there's spitting's a horrible thing. It's gross. And, and yet, Jesus' spit mixed with the mud, mixed with the clay to bring the mud, and the guy washes, and all of a sudden he comes back seeing. It's amazing. This is amazing. So he goes off, and, uh, you know, he begins to, he runs into the Pharisees, religious leaders. And, uh, of course, it's the Sabbath. There's a lot of miracles Jesus did he seemed to do on the Sabbath, which really upset the, the priests, and they were using it as an excuse more than anything else to say that this man's not from God. So they begin to, this big inquisition, and they want people to forget that this miracle's been done. They want them to focus on Jesus being a sinner now, because we know this guy's a sinner. He's helped another sinner, Okay, so, so Jesus must be a sinner in, in the Pharisees' eyes. Okay, he's not from God. So they ask them, they find, they find his parents. And his parents say, oh, don't talk to us. Okay, ask him. He's of age. So even with their own son, that you're on your own, okay, and they ask him. Well, he stands up and he said, okay, this guy came by. I, I don't even know who he was yet because I couldn't see. And, and I heard this sound like he's spitting on the ground. And the next thing I knew, he, he slapped some dirt or mud substance in my eyes and told me to go wash. And I figured, well, that must have been the, the spit and the dirt and go wash, and, and, and now I can see. And, uh, you know, I, all I can tell you is why did Jesus do that? All, all I can think of is we came from dirt. Okay. Uh, we're going to re, re, our bodies return there someday. Um, only, only God can take the substances of, of things and, and make us into what we are. Uh, that's pretty cool, actually, isn't it? Uh, so as, as you move on and, and you see the man, and uh, he begins to tell his, the story. And uh, he tells him a second time. And then finally, that they're asking him a third time, tell us how you see. And of course, this upset them. And the key thing here, and you can see it when we get all the way down to verse 34. Jeremiah's got this right here. And when he tells them, okay, that would you be his disciples as well? Why do you want to find out? Why do you after this man? And he says, well, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So you can see 
the very same question that starts the chapter with the disciples saying, who sinned, this man or his parents? Disciples ask that question. Now we have the Pharisees, and they say, ultimately, well, you're in sin because you were born blind. Even though you can see now, that doesn't matter. Go off on a whole other thing on that, and maybe why we're rejected when we talk about the new birth by some people who who know us um, because you didn't really change. You think you changed, or whatever happened to you? You know, there's an explanation for it. I think we know better. Know that God's power does come in and change our heart, changes our thoughts, and forgive, forgives us. Yes, we still have problems at times in when the world comes on us and we struggle with things or struggle with ourselves. But Jesus has truly come in, and we are a new creations in Christ. So now Jesus finds the man. Who's now been thrown out? He and they, they they have this conversation, and he says, "Well, do you believe in the Son of Man?" And he says, "Who is he, sir?" The, the man asked. "Tell me, so that I may believe in him." And Jesus said, "You have now seen him, and in fact, he is the one speaking with you." And the man said, "Lord, I believe," and he worshipped him. For judgment, I have come into the world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, are we blind too? So they, they, thought, they kind of figured out that perhaps Jesus is talking about them when he's talking about that Jesus came to make blind men see and to make seeing men blind. And Jesus' answer to this was, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now you claim you can see. And when you claim you can see, when you really can't, you can't do anything about it. You don't see it. It's like cleaning, right? You don't see the dirt, you don't clean it. If you don't know what you're looking for, you're going to find it? Okay. It's just obvious questions. What should be obvious answers, I guess. So um, I have a video, because this, this is what sets the stage for the parable that we're going to look at. So Jeremiah, if you could go ahead and run that. I tell you the solemn truth. The one who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens the door for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own sheep out, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger, but will run away from him 
because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus told them this parable, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, I tell you the solemn truth, I am the door for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and he will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and may have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not a shepherd and does not own sheep, sees the wolf coming and abandons the sheep and runs away. So the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. Because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep, he runs away. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life with the sheep. I have other sheep that do not come from the sheepfold. I must bring them too, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it back again. love those slides that go with it. So, I think visually understanding this is uh, maybe having some idea of uh, what is, what's a shepherd's job and what do they do and uh, we, we can see the difference between the two shepherds in there. There's one that's the hired. He's the one running away when the wolves come and scatter the sheep. The other one is, is Jesus. He is the good shepherd. He cares for the sheep. He knows them. He knows them by name. Matter of fact, um, Revelation is a scripture that even has a special name for him. I almost think it's a, some affectionate name that God has that's special between him and each individual. He lays down his life for the sheep. And the sheep go in and out. I mean, all these things had strong meaning to, to the shepherds of that day. Um, and, and to understand what that meant. Now, I don't think anybody here is a shepherd. Anybody grew up on a farm, maybe? Or, no? Yeah. I remember chasing sheep at... Uh, at a farm once, and boy, I was having a lot of fun. I got to get those guys to run every which way, but they always ran as, as a unit. I, you know, I tried to figure out if there was a head sheep they were following or something. Um, and then I got them all kind of running at me at some point. Then, you know, scared my pants off. Um, uh, you know, to, to 
begin to look at this parable and to understand that when Jesus was talking to both the man that was born blind, the disciples, but also some of the religious leaders were all there. So when Jesus is telling this parable, that's his audience. And, and their whole background is a religious system of legalism. And uh, as we see them show their hand, particularly in the Gospel of John, but all the Gospels. And uh, even at time in Paul's early life when he was still called Saul. It was legalism. It was control. It was the real government to the Jewish people at the time. And there was a control thing that was very strong there. So they control who, who might be recognized as a religious authority and, and who wouldn't be. And so uh, in this case, they did not want to recognize Jesus. Uh, it was interesting with, with all their their background, their training, their pedigree, if you will, their knowledge of each other. And Jesus didn't come from them. He was, he was different. Uh, he brought truth. He brought real life. He brought the Spirit of God. And we need that. The people needed it of the day. We need it today as human beings. Uh, we don't need religion. I stopped going to church. I'm not necessarily proud of that. But I, I, I didn't see what I was getting out of it as a person that was uh, near the end of high school. Uh, and I just stopped going. Not getting anything out of this. I believe in God. If somebody asked me, I believe in Jesus. I would have said yes, but I didn't really know what that meant at the time. And uh, yeah, began to do whatever I was doing, whatever anyway, even though I was going to church uh, at the time, and didn't come back for a while. I'll get back to that in a moment, but. I needed the Savior. I needed a real Savior. I needed the real Jesus in my life to change me. And to give me hope, to give me a vision, and to make, make me think that there was something important to live for that was beyond me. Get back to the so as, as we go through this, we see the sheep are listening to Jesus. They're led by Jesus. I love, I love the picture when Jesus is coming out of the, the pen there, and the sheep are all behind them. Okay. Okay, so what he was telling them is that don't lead yourself. Don't let something else lead you. Let the Son of God lead you. Okay. Follow him. Don't get ahead of them. Just follow them. Just follow them. Get behind them. Football season's uh, just about upon us again. Okay? Okay. 
the guys who get all the credit are the guys who score the touchdowns, right? Okay, for the most part. Quarterbacks who throw the ball, okay? But the guys who really do the work and open those holes for guys to run through are often the guys in the line. You don't rarely hear their name. If you saw them on the street, you probably wouldn't think they were necessarily a football player. You might say, oh, big enough to be a football player. You wouldn't think he's a football player. You wouldn't recognize him like so many other faces of quarterbacks, running backs, maybe just very few defensive players. But they are important. If you don't have good linemen, you will not win a championship. The quarterback will be running for his life. The running back that averaged five yards or more a carry suddenly is lucky to get two and a half. Changes everything. Okay. I'm looking forward to football season. That's probably why that shared that too. Um, but uh, Jesus knows us by name. I went over that. Jesus leads us out. We recognize his voice and his desire for us. He uh, came across a story. This is out of World War I, and uh, they didn't even identify which set of soldiers it was. But there was soldiers that saw sheep down in a meadow, and uh, they stole the sheep. And they're thinking, okay, we're going to have lamb chops. And we're going to feed, we're going to eat well. And uh, the shepherd was all alarmed, but he wasn't armed. He didn't have a, didn't have a gun. And uh, he says, i got to get my sheep back. Because the shepherd had truly had a big heart for these sheep. And uh, the shepherd decided, I'm going to call their name. I'm going to call out. And when he did, the shepherd began... So the sheep began to hop over the fence, and they made their way back home to the shepherd because of his voice. It's a great story. The soldiers couldn't do a thing about it. What are they going to do? Start shooting the, the sheep? But they just all made a line for the shepherd. They knew his voice. The people that are talked about here which really does get back to the religious, religious leaders, were the robbers and the thieves. So I looked this up a little bit. Why robbers and thieves? Why not just robbers? Why not just thieves? Robbers and thieves are the same. Well, in the original language, they're actually different. Neither one's very good, of course. But um, the first one, the thief, comes from the word kleptos. Yep. What word do you think of when you hear clep? Kleptomania. Okay. Kleptomaniac. Okay. What's a kleptomaniac? Kleptomaniac would be somebody who uses his cunning stealth. He's the flim flam man. He's the pickpocket. He's the schemer. He's the weasel. Okay. He's the one that's got a plan, and he'll weasel his way into your life and get you to believe him that he's got something good for you. But he doesn't. 
He's going to take whatever he can and make it his own. The other word was lestis, L-E-S-T-S, which is the word for robber here. Now, this means the person who's just violent. Okay? He's, he's, he's the strong-arm guy. He's, he's the one that will threaten you with force. Okay? Wave the gun in your face. Uh, potential, take your life. So you've got two forms of, of people, and neither one are very good. At least one you can see coming, the latter. The other one, in some ways, is more dangerous, where they might not take your life, but in a sense, they do take your life. They take your day-to-day -day life. They rob from you and don't let you believe the truth. They sell you a lie so that you'll think it's the truth. We live in a day where we need to be able to discern truth from lie. Jesus even said some of his last day's sermons or said that yeah, he would come back and there was a concern expressed that even the very elect may be deceived. We get the theological arguments exactly what all that means, but yeah, believers sometimes are deceived if we're not careful. We need to be on our guard. We need to be in the truth. We need to let the Holy Spirit move on us and believe in truth. So look out for robbers and thieves. Okay? They are out there. So the true shepherd and the false shepherds. Well, the true shepherd, what did he do in the parable? He comes through the door. The door is something that was built story, the idea is that it's built for the legitimate person to come in and out of. A door is a gate, in a sense. Some scriptures might even tell you and use the word gate. You have a door in your house. How many people have a lock on the front door? Two locks on the front door. How many are, maybe you have more than that, you have to um, we like to be secure. I know old Kate Carter's, I was waiting for somebody to not put their hand up and say, I have locks, I don't lock them. I leave my door open. Did you ever talk to some old Kate Carter's? Oh, we don't lock our doors on the Cape. Did you ever hear that? I've, I've heard that. God says this is my area where you're safe. I'm putting a door on it so Jesus can come in and lead and ultimately teach you and then he's going to let you go out whenever you want. But it's good to follow him. You know, these, the bad shepherds, they just get access however they want. In the story, they were going over the wall. Yeah. And they'll just get in however they want it, whether by force or whether by being spied. I like to use the word weasel. 
we can see which ones are legit, and we see which ones quit. Yep. Jesus is too legit to quit. Sorry for that, but I had to use that for those that are familiar with the song. Um, too legit to quit. Uh, the enemy will run. Yeah, they, will, they will always run on you. They won't hang out because when it comes right down, they're just looking for what's for them. You know, maybe you don't think of yourself as a shepherd, but when somebody makes you their friend and considers you a friend, okay, stay with them. Okay? i just give you a little advice. It's just being a good friend, always stay with them. Even if they're having a bad day, even if you don't agree with them. Families. Families are tough stay with others at times. Okay? They have a, fa a family reunion and uh, how do I get out of this? How do I leave early? I hope your family re 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 yeah, reunions aren't like that. I hope that you can't wait to get, get, get together. But there's a point where it's time to go home. Uh, love your families. Care for them. Some of you are great examples of that. You reach out and you love those around you pretty much unconditionally. And it's not easy. Sometimes it costs you money. It will cost you time. Okay? It could hurt, but it's being Christ to those people. Let's throw out that idea that last couple minutes there. That wasn't in my notes or anything. That's just kind of for free. You, you are effective when you do that, when we do lay, lay down our lives for, for others. Yeah, it's hard. It costs us something. But it tells you that you're not just somebody who comes and goes or somebody who stays there. But it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. <sighs> so, move on here. He said the sheep will come in and go out, or go out and come in. This is actually a common expression I found out. It's used in the Old Testament, and even that language was used a few times. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you the references if, if you want them. I'm not going to read them. But one is from Jeremiah, who we looked at earlier. Um, and, uh, Jim shared uh, Jeremiah 37.4. It's just the expression itself of uh, going out and coming back. Psalm 121a, Deuteronomy 28.6. So we, so we have the sheep going out and coming back. So it means in everyday life of wherever you are, okay, that God knows you're going to be going to sometimes hard places. But he's with you. Okay. He is with you. The, there's a verse that um, changed my life. Uh, and I became a believer because of it, which is John 10.10. 10. Yeah. So I hope we can show that. Thank you. Jeremiah's all over it. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter 
sheep penned by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber in the second half. Okay, so the one who enters by the sheep, the shepherd of the sheep. Gatekeeper opens the gate for him. Uh, can we go all the way to 10? This is certainly on there. Four, five, keep going. thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they might have life and have it to the full, or have it abundantly. And the, the idea of abundance is not just simply enough. It is more than enough. It is God's riches in Christ. It is overwhelming what God truly offers to us. We access it by by faith. We access by trusting him and going through life and realize there are greater depths to Christ than what we have scratched the surface of. The, the, the depth is like beyond even the ocean depth. You know there's places in the ocean that if you put Mount Everest, the highest peak on the face of the earth, and if it's the Mariana Trench, if you threw it in there, Okay. You could put Mount Washington on top of it, and you still would not get to the surface of the water. And uh, the idea of the depth of God's love is beyond the depth of the ocean. The length and extent is beyond the universe. If you ever think of it, the, the universe itself, there's all different estimates, and every time... You, you give it a few years, and there's a new estimate of how big the universe is. And some of you follow science at all, and, uh, astronomy. Um, but the vastness of it, I think God gave us just to begin to stand back and marvel at the fact that God created all that. If he can create that, then in a sense he's bigger than all that. And what he has, and what he what he has at his disposal, is a universe and even more. Some scientists think the universe is still expanding. Maybe that's somehow a sense of showing us God's love, ever expanding as we get to know Him better, as we continue to go through life. So God offered us life in abundance. When, when I got saved, by the way, digress a couple minutes. I got saved, and I was on the main street of my hometown. And I had dropped off my girlfriend, who's also my wife of 48 years now, um, and uh, driving through town and uh, up to no good. I was not looking to meet Jesus that night. You can take that wherever you want. But I wasn't looking to meet Jesus. But when I sat down and I had, you know, I'm driving through town, I see a friend who used to sit behind me in home room. I think God put him there. He's got him saved. 
and that I would know that this guy, who I hadn't seen for a few years, he was the first guy in my school, because again, remember, I was graduated in 1971, okay? Yep, I'm that old. Um, and there was a guy by the name of Bruce, this is the guy who sat behind me, this first guy to grow his hair long. They called Bruce, therefore, the freak. And uh, I knew Bruce because he sat behind me home. Well, I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. So I'm two years out of high school, I'm driving through town, I see Bruce after midnight on the main street. Hey, I'll pull over, I see what Bruce is up to, see what we can get into. And uh, Bruce gets in the car, he sits down, he says, hey, long time no see. Well, Bruce, Bruce has cut his hair. So I start talking to him, hey, you cut your hair, what's going on in your life? And um, it's kind of funny, but back then, you know, if you got saved, one of the things, I guess, that you did is you cut your hair. Okay? Now, I wasn't aware of that at the time, but I became aware of that maybe in time, a few months after that. I didn't have long hair much, you know. Now I'm just trying to keep what I have. Um, amen, guys. Uh, and Bruce began to go through this little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And when he got to the that Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it full. You might have it abundant. He, he looked at me and he asked the question that went right through my heart. He said, how's your life? And when people ask you that, you don't usually give them a straight answer. You say, eh, it's okay, it's going well, you know. No, no. That night, I, lo I looked at Bruce and I said, you know, actually, I don't like how it's going. I feel like the more I try to grab onto life, the more it slips through my fingers. And I, I said, I just not too sure where I'm going. I'm at college, I don't know why, other than my parents already told me you need to go to college someday. That's it. I was good at math. I tried majoring math. I didn't like it. Classes were at eight o'clock, that's college kids, you know. Too early. So then, then you try other courses, and then you go back to math, and then you go back to other courses again. Well, that's a whole other story. But uh, when he said, well, why don't we experience this abundant life? Why don't we, why don't we have a life that's full and meaningful? And, um, you know, everything I start thinking about is exactly where he's moving next and what he's telling me familiar with the four spiritual laws book that you probably knew that already. We're sinners. You're a sinner, Ben? Yep. I'm a sinner. No problem. Yep. Was I born in sin? Yeah. We're all born in sin. That's the funny thing about the man born blind. Who's sinned or this man? Well, he's got a condition of blindness. That Jesus later refers to the fact of not just a physical blindness, he's referring to a fact of a spiritual blindness, which is worse. Which is worse. We might not think so at times in our humanity, but it's worse. Because it's just like the thief is already in the door, and the thief is already leading us down to a path 
of deception, making life look back and feel meaningless. You ever buy something, think you got something really good? Time goes by and you're like, I wish I didn't buy that. Or you make a decision, you think something really good's gonna come out of this, and what happens? doesn't go where you thought it was going to go. And you said, that was a foolish decision. I really messed up on that one. Well, when he said, I'm a sinner, I, I, I said, yeah, I'm a sinner. What I'm doing wasn't the way I was brought up. What I was doing was trying to live life for myself, looking for meaning and anywhere I could go, and uh, yep, he says, well, Jesus died for you, and he explained what that meant, he went to the cross, so that my sin would be forgiven, and I received Christ that night, I asked Christ to come in, forgive me of my sin, my shame, to give me purpose, to give me an abundant life. became a sheep that night. I entered the pen in a sense and um, began to follow the Savior. See, the shepherd laid down his life for sheep. We're, we're told that where there's a sheep pen and there's, and there's no gate, you know what the shepherd does at night? because there's no door or no gate, he becomes the gate. He lays down in that area to keep out any intruder who might come in, anybody illegit. Remember, the illegit will quit. See, Jesus is that shepherd. He's the one that lays down at the door. He's the one that rebukes and keeps the bad out, that keeps the thieves and the robbers out. And he loves the sheep. Because laying in that doorway is all kinds of danger. He rebukes the danger. He calls out to our seas in life and he says, peace, be still. He takes broken things fixes them. He takes the pottery, as was referred to earlier, and remakes it. Remakes it in a better way than what we ever thought would result. See, he is the good shepherd. You know, the reaction to Jesus when he got through with this parable we wrap up here. It was it was divided again? They're always divided. It's like politics. He's demon possessed. Why listen to him? Others said these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, a few days go by, and they're at the feast of dedication, and this whole teaching resurfaces few verses, so we go down to verse uh, 25, it says, I did tell you 
But they, but they said, well, they're, they're talking to Jesus, verse, verse 24. The Jews gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Well, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. You know, the works of God, one of the works of God is to believe in the one who he sent. Believe that he's the Christ. Unreservedly, he's not a Christ. He wasn't simply a teacher, but the son of God. What does that mean? He's God. He's God. He is the exact representation of the Father. You've seen Jesus. You've seen the Father. You know Jesus. You know his teachings. You know what God expects. Yes, Jesus is God. And he said, I've already told you who I am, but you did not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. You know, no matter what you deal with in life, you have eternal life. You have the promise of heaven. Matter of fact, and know that you have that now. So you have an abundant life in Christ now, regardless of circumstances, regardless of what you're facing or how bad it is, or who can be blamed. And he says, I give them eternal life that they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Again, he's the good shepherd. My father, who has given them to me, is greater than them all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And then the big one, verse 30. I and my father are one. Well, you can imagine what broke loose after that, but you can read it. See, our good shepherd, who leads us and guides us and lays down his life, is ever committed to us. Just says, follow me. Perhaps you're here and you just want to say, Lord, help me follow you better. Help me to have clear vision for what you mean, wherever, wherever, whatever I'm facing. If you've never said, never responded to the words Jesus said, just Come in. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to change your heart about who he is. If you know who Jesus is, you know that he laid down his life as a good shepherd so that you could be in the pen safely, so you could trust in him and have peace and have the knowledge of his guidance and leading for your life. And if you're there, um, I'd gladly pray with you um, as I conclude right now and just, just go to prayer. So. Amen. Let's follow the shepherd. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this parable. Thank you for just everything that's recorded for us from our brother John. Uh, thank you, God, for these strong words of those who's our true leader.
causes us to delight ourselves in him, Lord, to move and work in whatever it is that we're facing, God. Lord, may we see, God, that you are leading us. May we keep you in front of us and not try to lead ourselves. Give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, in this life to walk through it carefully. Father, I thank you. Each brother and sister here, God, uh, today, God, lead and guide them, Lord, um, throughout this day and throughout their life. God, may we know, Lord, that the good shepherd is one with the Father, and we shall share eternity with him. Lord, we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd of the sheep. Amen.